thank them for leading us in worship tonight. All right. Amen. Great. Amen. It is so good to be with you. And I think this is my third time to be with you. And uh, I'm just uh, like Minnie Pearl. I'm proud to be here. Thank you for allowing me to come. And thank you for coming out. I know that uh, uh, a lot of you, like me, think that the last uh, year and a half have been very strange days. Amen? We have lived in some unprecedented times. And so for you to be here tonight means a lot. I know that uh, uh, a lot of folks uh, know people who have had COVID. And I just had a dear friend uh, die from COVID. So obviously there's something to it, but there's also uh, the church that we want to be part of. We don't want to not assemble together. And so we're in that quandary, aren't we? We don't know exactly what to do. So we're praying for the Lord to give us direction. If you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of James tonight, James chapter 1. And I want to talk to you tonight about something that I believe will be uh, applicable to many people and that is why and if I said it like my mother would say it why in the world <laughs> has anybody had a mother like that okay why in the world does God allow trials why does God allow trials I'm preaching through the book of James this year at Bellevue. Last year I preached through the book of Revelation. And I'm preaching through James this year. One of my favorite books in the, in the Bible. It was written by the brother of Jesus. It is the greatest commentary on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that there is. The book of James does not say everything that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, but if you'll just read the two together, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 in the book of James, it will astonish you how much James comments on things that Jesus said in the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher ever to live, and that's Jesus Christ. And uh, it's just amazing to me how many times he talks about that, and he talks about trials. We have, and I'm not trying to one-up you, but we have 15 grandchildren and one on the way. Our children's life's verses are, go thou and multiply, amen. <laughs> and they have that down. But uh, Lord willing, in two more weeks, we'll have eight grandsons and eight granddaughters. We already have one. She just haven't, hasn't been unveiled yet and uh, but I'm her grandfather there's another man that was her grandfather that just went to be with the Lord and that is my son-in-law's father Mike Golding was one of the finest Christians I've ever met in my life Mike Golding was a man's man but he was a godly man he had the three things that I believe make a good Christian. He was a prayer warrior. He was a soul winner. 
and he was a disciple maker. I want to tell you something, folks. That's the Christian life. Praying, talking with God, and then winning people to Christ, talking about Jesus to lost people, and then talking about Jesus and helping form Christ-likeness in people after they get saved in disciple-making. He did all of it. He was our deacon, chairman, twice, uh, and godly man. And One day he started to limp a little bit. And before long he was slurring his speech a little bit. And they found out he had a glioblastoma. And I saw a strong man wither and ultimately wilt and die laying on his back. Godly man. Why in the world does something like that happen? And I'll guarantee you with the people we've got here tonight, we could have testimonies into the morning because we all know somebody that went through a difficult, and we would say undeserved trial. When I talk to the older preachers, I hear them say, you know, you're either going into a trial or you're in a trial or you're coming out of a trial. You say, this is blessing me so much. I just appreciate you coming from Memphis to talk about this. But how many of you in the last couple of years I'm so sorry. How, that's a lot better, isn't it? Yeah. Do I need to start over? Or would that be too much of a trial? All right, yeah. Okay. Have you heard anything that I've said? Okay, yeah, they say, just hurry up. Yeah, we don't care. We've, we've heard it all. Just cut to the chase. Okay, I get it. But, but, I mean, how many of you in the last two, I'm not just talking about COVID, but in your personal life, you've had some sort of trial that you've gone through. I've got my hand up. Anybody else? Yeah. Jesus went through trials. Paul. <laughs> He stayed in a trial. Every person in the Bible, Old and New Testament, that God used went through trials. Why? What is the purpose? Right out of the gate, as soon as James starts talking, he explains the purpose of trials. He gives a greeting in verse 1. I won't go through that. Although I will tell you, I think it's where you get the name James Bond. He says, James, a bond servant of Christ. Now, don't go out and tell anybody I said that, all right? But look at verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren. Brethren means that's the Christians. When, not if, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing 
of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect or maturing result so that you may be perfect, that is maturing and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks, and it goes on and on, I won't continue. I am meeting with four of our young preacher boys at Bellevue that are on our staff, and we're memorizing the book of James. I'm halfway through chapter 2, and I'm telling you, I wish we had memorized the book of Philemon, all right? <laughs> if you don't know why, just go look at it, all right? <laughs> but boy, right out of the gate, he talks about trials. Now look at verse 12 real quick. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this beautiful church. Thank you for this precious pastor. Thank you for this wonderful uh, worship time that we've had. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And Father, I do pray that you would even speak not just to all of us, but to me, Lord. I, I need to hear, Lord, about why in the world you allow trials. In Jesus' name, if that's your prayer, say amen. amen. Three things. I'm a Baptist preacher. My wife said, if you saw a car wreck, you'd see three things. Number one, why does God allow trials? Number one, so we can exhibit a cheerful response. So we can exhibit a cheerful response. You say, Brother Stephen, I just don't, I don't believe in all that. Well, you believe the Bible, you do. Look at verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Let's walk through that. Now, these are Christian Jews. James was the lead pastor, we would say, at the church of Jerusalem, the first church there was. And it was predominantly, if not almost exclusively, Jewish. Now, when they became Christians, uh, the Gentiles already hated them because they were Jews. But now... A lot of the Jews that didn't get saved hated because they were Christians. So they were hated by a lot of people. They just were. You want to get a lot of people upset with you? Get saved. <laughs> just fall in love with Jesus. And you'll be going many times diametrically opposed to the rest of the world. James said, though, even when they... Trials come, consider it all joy. Consider it as a command. He's commanding them to view their trials as an opportunity, a platform, you ready? To display Christ-like joy, like Jesus had when he, in joy, said, Father, I, I praise you that you have not revealed these things to the the smart and the intelligent, but to the babes, to the infants, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Jesus had joy. And his, 
His disciples are supposed to have joy. Consider it all joy, all joy, full joy, complete, overflowing, supreme, highest kind of joy, like what Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 10 through 12, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same ways. Consider it all joy when, not if, when. If you live for Jesus, it's not a matter of if you are going to be persecuted, it's when you're going to be persecuted. It's inevitable. It's part of God's sovereign, sanctifying plan. When you encounter it, it's a Greek word, parapipto, and it means to fall unexpectedly in a difficult situation. My wife, we just got back from vacation. And uh, you said, the pastors always go on vacation, you know, in the summertime. We do because it is burning up in Memphis. It's hot and it's humid. And so we go to the arid places like the mountains. And so we went out to Idaho and Sun Valley uh, out in there. And we, we had a great time. But anyway, my wife is hiking up in the mountains or along the pathway with her sister and her sister has a dog and this other couple coming this way they had a bigger dog and the little dog got after the big dog and the big dog knocked my wife off of the trail down the side of the mountain if she hadn't hit a tree I don't know what would have happened to her she fractured her ankle you say why are you telling us that that's gross. That's the kind of thing he's talking about. Parapipto is the word used. Do you remember the, 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 the parable of the Good Samaritan? How many of you know what I'm talking about, the Good Samaritan? You remember the guy that fell among thieves? That word fell among there, robbers, is parapipto. What it means is you're walking along and, you know, you're just walking with some dogs, you know, and you're up in the mountains and you're having a great time. You've been on vacation and all of a sudden something happens that you don't expect. It's out of the blue and you don't know why it happened. And you say, you know, Lord, why? And then I want to tell you something. I understand that the Bible says women are the weaker asthenia vessel. I get that. But I want to tell you, that woman walked on a fractured ankle for a mile in the mountains to get out of there. I ain't messing with her, all right? She's tough. She's tough. Ladies, God bless you, man. I'm not, I'm not messing with you, all right? I'm just telling you. You guys are tough. And that's the kind of trial it is. It just happens. You don't see it. You're living for Christ. You're praying. You're tithing. You're attending church. You're telling people about Jesus. And wham, out of nowhere. It's like a dog knocking you off of a trail, breaking your ankle. That's parapipto. When you encounter these various multicolored, different kind, diverse trial. I'm not talking about temptations. God gives you trials, but God doesn't tempt you to sin. 
There are a lot of people nowadays saying, God made me this way, and they're describing a sin. Oh, no. No, no, no. God doesn't tempt you to sin. God tests you with trials, but God doesn't tempt you to sin. In fact, James has something to say about that. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, he said, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. There it is. He himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin's accomplished, it brings forth death. When you want to, you want to, look, don't blame the devil for your temptation. Don't blame God. Don't blame other people. Look in the mirror. You're the reason you sin. It's in you. It's called a sinful nature. And so he's saying here, hey, I'm not talking about temptation. I'm talking about trials. It is an opportunity for you to display the fruit of the Holy Ghost, joy. Joy. I'm talking about joy. Rejoicing. Now, some of y'all can't rejoice. You know why? You never have joy to begin with. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Some of you can't rejoice because you've never joiced. <laughs> you've never had joy to begin with. You, you, you just don't think that's what you ought to do. You ought to go to church and just sit there and be still. I'm not saying act crazy, but I am. I want to say, if you can hear this music tonight and it not move your heart, check your heart. Check your heart. Joy. Joy. There's a man who lived in the third century A.D. who was near death. He wanted to explain something that had happened to him. This was in the 200 A.D. period, the third century. and That's when the Romans were killing so many Christians. He said, and I quote, it is a bad world an incredibly bad world in which we live. But I have discovered in the midst of this bad world a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found joy, which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful lives. They are despised and persecuted, but they don't care. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I have become one of them. I wonder if the lost world looks at us that way. God allows you a trial to give you a platform to exhibit a cheerful response. Not for the trial, but that God is in control. Is that your spiritual vantage point? You're going to have pain, but in the midst of it, you can praise God. You're going to suffer, but in the middle of it, you can sing. It's a testimony. It's a, it's a platform for witnessing that even in the midst of the tough times, God is to be praised. 
God is to be exalted. You can see your burden as a blessing in disguise. Remember Job? He said, when his wife said, after their animals had died, their crops had died, their wealth had gone, health was gone, 10 children gone. His wife saying, curse God and let's just get it over with, die. He said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? And all of this Job did not sin with his lips. Do you sin with your lips? By constantly complaining and griping and constantly verbalizing, dare I say it, vomiting out these negative words all the time. Dr. Rogers' favorite verse was Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord, say it with me, at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. God didn't give you a mouth to complain. He gave you a mouth to praise Him. He didn't give you breath to complain. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's why you're breathing right now. If you're not, let somebody know, all right? <laughs> Acts 5, so when they went on their way, they had been beaten for following Christ. They went on the way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for His name. What, what an attitude. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Romans 5 says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, and then probably one that everybody knows, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, and everything, give thanks. You don't have to give thanks for everything, but you have to give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you. Have you lost your job? Look, I know that's not not good. I, I know that. But you can praise the Lord that even though you've lost your job, you haven't lost your God. You haven't lost your God. Hey, I want to tell you something real quick. Elderly black preacher told me this one day standing outside of a restaurant in Memphis, and I've never forgotten it. He said, Brother Steve, your job is your resource, but God is your source. And God will mess with your resources to make sure you don't trust in them, but you trust in your source. He said, that's what he did with Elijah when he was feeding him with the birds, the ravens, and the, he let the stream dry up. He let the resource dry up to show him that the resource wasn't what was providing. It was the source that was providing. And then he goes over to a widow and looking down in a bucket every morning saying, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Because he just kept multiplying every morning. Every morning they had a little bit more to eat. Don't look to your resources. Look to your God who is your source. Look to your God who is your source. Have you lost your health? Have you lost a loved one? Lost a friend? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials 
Because when that happens, you're going to exhibit a cheerful response. Number two, God lets you go through trials so you can experience Christ-like results. I mean, it's a miracle what happens if you respond biblically, knowing that the testing of your faith produces something. It's called endurance. The testing here, dokomion, means an examining, a testing. It's like the fire that burns away the dross and nothing remains except the gold. It's a word used in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof, dokomion, the testing of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's something that a trial brings out of you and gets out of you and puts in you. Nothing else can. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It's hopomone, and it means to stand firm and to persevere. Romans 2, 7 says, He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good. Hupomone, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. In the words of the great theologian Rocky Balboa, it's not how hard you get hit that makes you a winner, but how hard you can get hit and get up and keep going on. Bible says in Romans 5, 3, we rejoice in our sufferings, not for them, but in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Hebrews 10, 36, for you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what was promised Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before. I want to tell you something. Christian life is not a 40-yard dash. The Christian life is a multiple marathon, and you've got to have some endurance. Everybody's going to have a bad day once in a while. You love Jesus. You don't have to sin to have a bad day. You got to have endurance. You got to keep on keeping on. I'm about to share with you James 1:12. Blessed is the man who what? Perseveres under trial. But once he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. In James 5:11. We count those blessed who endured. You've heard of the endurance of Job and seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Now look at verse 4 in chapter 1 of James, and let endurance have its perfect telios result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The word perfect here is used twice. When it refers, when perfect in the Scripture here 
talks about things, it means that which is perfect. But when it talks about people, it means people who are mature. There are some people that say, I've reached a point of sinless perfection. I don't ever sin. I got news for you. They just blew it right there. Because the Bible says when you say you don't have sin, you've sinned. Jesus said, for instance, Matthew 5, 48, therefore you're to be perfect telios as your heavenly Father is perfect. You're to be morally developed. You're to be mature as the Lord is mature. And if you do think that's talking about perfection, what I just alluded to was from 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If we claim we don't have sin, we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. Everybody else knows we do, right? And not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, who he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar, showing that his word has no place in our hearts. You can't reach a place, a status of sinless perfection, but you can reach spiritual maturity. Do you have any idea how lifting weights works? I'll just tell this to you. Lifting weights tears down your muscles so they'll build up stronger. I won't tell you because it's pretty obvious that I don't lift weights anymore. I tell people, I, there was a time when I, and I've got pictures to show it. You know, there was a time when I looked like a light bulb. Now I look like a pear, all right? Okay. You can't figure that out. I'll, your pastor will help you, all right? But let's listen to this brother talk about lifting weights. I sure hope a video comes What happens up. to your muscles when you lift weights? Whenever you lift weights, for example, let's say if I'm doing a bicep curl, I curl the weight and it tears down my muscle over time. It takes about 24 to 72 hours for my muscles to recover. If I did a really intense workout, it may take an entire week. But what happens to the muscles is you get thousands of micro tears in the muscle, and then it takes time to recover. The muscle rebuilds. It comes back a little bit bigger, a little stronger, and it's prepared for that same exact workout. And so that's why you change the workout, you do it again, and you increase the intensity. You tear down the muscles again, they come back a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. That's what happens when you work out. Now, I just want to say this to you. That's why tight shirts are not for everybody, all right? <laughs> Spandex is not for everybody, all right? And so, what happens when you lift weights? You tear down your muscles, and within 72 hours or whatever, they grow back bigger and stronger. But you know, we like, we like couch potato Christianity. We like to sit on the couch, eat popcorn and peanut M&Ms, and watch a movie. That's the kind of Christianity we like. We don't like tough stuff. We don't like trials. We don't like resistance. We don't like that. But that's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. More often than not, God is not interested in your comfort. He is interested in your Christ-likeness. 
And you're not going to become Christ-like unless he lets you go through trials. And he knows exactly how much pressure to apply and how much. He knows that you can't bench press 300 pounds the first time you get up there. He understands that. But he'll put the bar where it needs to be. And he'll lead you through it. I want to tell you something. Some of the most precious times in my life when I went through trials. Back in 2000, I lost all of my strength. I, I was swimming a mile a day, five days a week. I got to where I couldn't swim, but about half a mile. Didn't know what was going on. And then my eyes shut. I thought, what in the world? Went to a doctor. He said, man, you might be having a, you might have a tumor or something. You need to. And so I went and found out I had myasthenia gravis, my muscular asthenia, the Greek word for weakness. I'd played college football at a small school called UT Martin. I was strong at one time and I lost all my strength. And my wife had to dress me <laughs> and put my, I couldn't even move my arms. I could do this. And so I'd just go, boop, and then she'd spray the deodorant right there, all right? You said, too much information, Hoss. <laughs> but I know what it's like to be weak. But in our weakness, he is strong. Amen? Amen? And sometimes he just tests us to make us spiritually strong. And I grew during that time, Pastor. We all do. That's what we want. That's what God wants. A trial is just an opportunity for you to get spiritually strong. You're working out those muscles. You're on a spiritual treadmill. You're on a spiritual elliptical machine. God doesn't want you to be flabby spiritually. He wants you to be strong and growing. He won't give you a trial unless he knows you can handle it 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation. And he's not talking about temptations to sin. It's the word for trial. Pyrasmos has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you're able. But with the temptation or the test, he will provide the way of escape also so that you'll be able to endure it. So why does God, why in the world does God let us go through trials? So we can exhibit a cheerful response. It gives us a platform to say, you know what? Even though I'm going through this, praise God anyway. And also so we can experience Christ-like results like endurance. And boy, look at me. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. But I believe we're going to need some endurance in the next decade. It's not going to get easier for Christians. So is there any other reason? Yep. Number three, so we can enjoy our cherished reward. So we can enjoy our cherished reward. So we can exhibit a cheerful response. So we can experience Christ-like results. So we can enjoy our cherished reward. Verse 12, blessed is a man. Do we have that on the screen? Can we put that? Yeah, read it with me, please. 
Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed is a man. Makarios. We're talking beatitude stuff. <laughs> blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. Jesus starts his sermon. Blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. Blessed are you if you're persecuted. Blessed are you, and on and on and on. Nine times in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Makarios. Happy, privileged. You've got divine favor. The blessing of God is upon you. Blessed is the man who does what? Who perseveres under trial. Who stays with the stuff. Who doesn't quit. Who doesn't quit when the devil gets after you? And he will get after you. I didn't do anything to the devil. Yes, you did. You received Jesus Christ. And the devil in the world hates the Jesus in you. So the devil's coming after you whether you like it or not. He hates Jesus in you. He's not going to let you slide by. You're going to have trials. But the devil is no match for God. God, he is, the devil is on a leash and God is holding the leash. I learned that preaching through Revelation. <laughs> the devil has to get permission for everything he does. I don't have time to talk about all that. But the Bible says the testing of your faith produces endurance. And that word endurance means to stand your ground in the midst of difficulty. To persevere under trial. For once you've been approved, once you've been battle tested, once you have gone through the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, once you've gone through the fire of adversity, you come through on the other side. And there is a different you when you come out of the fire with Jesus than there was a you when you went into the fire. Once you've been approved, you're going to receive something. The crown of life. God's abundant life in Jesus Christ. Christ is our life. He is our reward. The only thing you get when you get saved is Jesus, and Jesus is all you need. Now, and in eternity. You're going to receive the crown of life. When I was younger, I played football, and I can remember out there one day, senior year, we had a good team. We had two years of good teams. My sophomore year, my uh, junior year, we lost six games in four years. And... Uh, Back then, I don't know, I know the older I get, I always say, back then. But back then, you had to win out to go to the state playoffs. Now you just have to breathe, and you get to go to the state playoffs. My junior year, we went 9-1, and one, and we did not make the state playoffs. That's not fair. Back then, they didn't care. You didn't get a trophy because you participated. Oh, don't even get me out. Why did I go there? I don't, that just messes me up. 
Oh, man, our little velvet feelings. But I can remember out there, and we were in hot West Tennessee, like it is right now. It was August 1974. Coach said, let's take a break. You can have that much water. I don't know what the deal was back then. They didn't know about getting hydrated. They said, a little bit of water. Don't get a lot. And so we're all sitting there. And so we're, we're practicing during the sixth period. And then we stayed till about five o'clock. All these, the final bell rings, six periods over. Everybody's leaving the school. There's about 50 of us over there on the practice field. And they're all driving past us. Ha! Look at those guys, man. They're sweating. Look at them out there. Thirsty. Beep, beep. See you guys later. And our coach said something I'll never forget. Let them laugh, boys. Let them laugh. They don't know the price you have to pay to win on Friday night. And I thought, yeah. They don't know what it's like to put in the sweat and the blood and the work to go through the testing, to get on the other side. They don't know what the reward is like when you come off with a W. So God puts you and me in these situations and we can't get out of them. How many of you know that God is an expert in putting you in situations that you can't get out of? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Unless you go to him. And he doesn't just always pull you right. Oh, you bless your little velvet heart. I'm going to pull you out of that. No. He'll leave you in there for a while. Amen. Amen. He'll leave you in there. He'll let the fire burn a little bit. Not because he's mean, because he's good. And he knows that he's not raising wimps. He's raising warriors. And that's what we're going to have to have. Somebody tells me, say, hey, what do you think, what do you think COVID's going to do to the church? I don't know what COVID's going to do to the church, and you don't either. But I will tell you one thing I think. I think the strong are going to get stronger and the weak are going to get weaker. The light is going to be brighter and the dark is going to get darker. That's where we're headed until the light of the world comes back. There's going to be a great separation between the true people of God and the people that just piddle around with it. Piddle is a Greek word. Go look it up. It's not really a Greek word. It's an Edgar and Dorothy word. It's a word I heard growing up. I know it's been hard the last 
year and a half. But don't quit. I know people are dying from COVID. I just had a friend die last week. But don't quit. I know our nation is divided politically, racially. I know that every day 2,000 unborn babies are slaughtered in their mother's womb. If you did what they do in abortion, if you did that to a dog, you'd go to jail. Every day, 2,000. I know that's going on. God knows it's going on. And I know that many churches, I was talking to your pastor, many churches, pastors are resigning because they can't keep the doors open. But don't quit. Because our reward is not down here. Our reward is with the Lord. Let me put it, our reward is the Lord. And you're going to get a reward, crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love them. God's not mad at you. You lost a loved one, God's not mad at you. Lost your health, God's not mad at you. Gone through a tough time at work, God's not mad at you. He's just making you stronger. He's just making you more like Jesus. And nobody suffered more than Jesus. Nobody suffered more than Jesus. Because not only did he suffer mentally and emotionally and physically, but God laid the iniquity of us all on him in one putrid mass, and then the wrath of God fell on the Son of God. Nobody has ever suffered like Jesus. But brother, I want to tell you something. He came out of the grave and he is alive. Amen? Amen. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated every trial. Amen. Give him praise. Give him glory. He defeated it, man. He defeated it. And you say, I don't know how to do it. Just look to Jesus and live like him. If you get saved, you're going to go through tough times. And if you don't get saved, you're going to go through tough times. But if you, go, if you get saved, you'll go through tough times with Jesus. And I'd rather be with Jesus than anybody I know. In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds. And grips the solid rock in times like these. You know what you need? You need a Bible 
in times like these. Oh, be not idle, be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. I'm very sure. How many of you with me? I'm very sure. I'm very sure. My anchor holds. My anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Let's praise him that he is our solid rock. Praise him right now. Praise him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's all stand up. If you're interested, I've preached for 48 minutes. You know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? Nothing. Especially a visiting preacher. Bow your heads with me if you would. How many of you are going through some sort of trial right now? Raise your hand. Raise it high. All right. Leave leave them up. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these, Lord. And, Lord, I've got my hand up. Oh, God in heaven, help us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to give a testimony to you in the midst of our trial to be strengthened in our inner man. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we will give cheerful responses. We'll see Christ-like results. And we will enjoy our heavenly reward one day and realize that we don't get paid here, we get paid there. Help them, Lord, to know that you'll bring them through. In Jesus' name, amen. Andre Crouch used to sing a song, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Maybe your problem and your trial is physical. I know what that's like. I take medicine every day. I've done it for 21 years. I've never taken a pill of any kind, hardly at all until I was 43, 42, and I've taken thousands of them by now. But, um, maybe it's physical. I just want to tell you, God will bring you through. God doesn't always heal. I pray for him to heal all the time, but sometimes he says, no, I'm not going to take this thorn out of your flesh. You're better with it than without it. You pray more with it than if you didn't have it. If I took that thorn out of your side, if I took that physical thorn out of you, or whatever it might be, uh, you wouldn't walk with me the way you do. So I'm going to leave it in there and let you trust in me. I want to tell you something, friend. I'd rather have a thorn and have Jesus than to not have a thorn and not have him. So whatever trial you're going through, man, just realize God's got it. Consider it all joy. I mean exuberant joy. Not for the trial. You don't, you know, that's nuts. You don't say, oh, praise God. Look at that trial. I love it. No. But in the midst of it, God's going to use that thing.
to shape you and to mold you like Christ. And you're going to come out looking more like Jesus on the other side. Amen? Amen. That's just so exciting to me. And nobody talks like this except Christians. You don't hear this stuff anywhere else. You don't hear this in Islam. You don't hear this anyplace else. It's Christians that talk like this. Because Jesus' brother said, that's what happens. So, number one, do you know Jesus? Are you saved? Have you ever repented? What is repentance? I'm going my way, doing my own thing, living for myself. But then God convicts me of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and I repent. You know what I mean? I turn. Everybody say turn. turn. Now don't do a 360, do a 180, all right? Do a U-turn. I just got to him one time and said, Preacher, I did a 360 for Jesus. I said, I've seen a lot of that in my life. <laughs> Just turn it around and keep going the same way, man. I, don't do a 360. Stop at the 180. Do a U-turn. If you've ever seen a U-turn sign, that's the best picture of repentance there is, an about face. I'm not going to live like that. I, I, I may, I'm not going to be sinless, but I'm not going to keep living for myself. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to go a different way. You've got to repent. I just read it yesterday in Luke 13. Unless you repent, you all likewise will perish. You said it twice. Jesus said it. You got to repent. And then you got to believe. You got to believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. And then you've got to receive. You've got to receive him in your life. As many as receive him, John 1 12, to them he gives the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Would you repent of your sin? Would you believe that Jesus not only died on the cross for everybody, but he died on the cross for you and he rose from the dead to give you eternal life? Would you do it? And would you receive him in your life? I'd like to lead you just like I would lead a couple at an altar in their wedding vows, I would like to lead you in a prayer where you can receive Christ even now. Would you bow with me just a moment? Pray something like this. If you don't want to mouth every word, I understand that, but you've, you've got to repent, you've got to believe, and you've got to receive. RBR. You've got to, you've got to do that. You have to. So pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to be saved. I want to know that I know that I'm a Christian. Lord, I repent. I'm sorry for my sin. I turn from it. I turn to you. I do an about face, Lord, with your help. I repent. Help me to repent, Lord. And I believe, I believe you died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're alive. I repent and I believe and I receive you. I call on your name right now. Save me right now, Lord Jesus. Just say that. Save me right now, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray. If you did that in a moment, I want to give you the opportunity to come and Share that with somebody. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But you Christians out there that are going through trials, you've got to understand there's a purpose in it all. And that is to make you more like Jesus. So just let this be a time of sweet surrender. 
Die to yourself. Die to your hopes. And just abandon yourself toward God. And just say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Whatever you want in this, Lord, but make me more like Jesus. Would you just pray like that to him right now? Our Father, thank you so much for being with us tonight. As we have this time of worship, Heavenly Father, come down upon us and move, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want the pastor to come and anybody else he wants to be here. If you've given your heart to Christ, or if you've gone through a trial and you say, man, I, I just want to, I want to glorify God in this. I don't, I don't want to miss, miss what God has for me in this trial. You might want to come to this altar and pray. I thank God that you've got places down here to kneel. But we need more of that. God's house is a prayer house, not a preaching house, but a prayer house. And I want to encourage you just to come and just kneel and say, Oh, Father, help me to glorify your name. Help me to, help me to go through this thing and, and, Lord, bring glory to you. Amen. No matter what, doesn't matter what people think, Lord, let me come out on the other side stronger. People are already coming, praise God. Come from the balcony, main floor, wherever. Just say, Lord, I, I want to I glorify you in this trial. And then tonight, if you'd like to join this church, I love this brother. I love this fellowship. I hadn't preached in a month. That's why I preached so long tonight, all right? But I'm so glad. that What a great, if you're in the Dothan area, come to this church. I always tell people where you're being fed, that's where you're being led. And so... If God is feeding you the Word of God here, why don't you join tonight? Why don't you join tonight? Come talk to the pastor about that. If you want to recommit your life to the Lord, whatever, we're just going to open it up. We're going to worship. And while we're worshiping, I want you to come. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your will be done. And let every person do exactly what you tell them to do. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. 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 Let's sing. You come right now. I think that's turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? All right. Let's sing it out.